John chapter 8. We're continuing our series, our I Am series, and today we're going to be looking at Jesus as the light of the world. But before we do, uh, one of the things that I wanted just to, to share with you that was shared with me this week by Doug is some of you will recall that last fall, over the course of, uh, I, I believe, kind of the month of October, and also as we even went into December, we would have we had a, a special uh, missions offering, and we also had those ornaments that we were purchasing for the specific purpose of trying to help reach that community with the uh, walking through the the kind of the Jesus birth story, um, and then also of wanting to help with uh, getting a certain facility prepared because of some of the COVID restrictions and regulations they had in the Dominican. Um, a lot of the kids in that area weren't able to attend school, which is located there uh, at the church at the Fourth Refugio in the Dominican Republic, which we partner with. And so can we show that first picture? This first picture is where this summer, uh, those that were represented on your behalf, uh, we were here building uh, this kind of outer shell of what was going to be some education space. And you can see there's still a tree in there and just a lot of work going on. Our job primarily was to let the, the Dominicans, um, they were doing a lot of the construction part. We were hauling a lot of uh, uh, basically buckets of cement uh, up and down and having like literally like an assembly line of like just passing it on. Dalton was the man. He was just over there mixing cement the whole time and he was doing a great job. And so uh, this is kind of the before picture, but let's show the after picture. I wanted you guys to see this. This is it in its completion. And I was when I saw this, I was like, yeah. And so I was just so excited because I wanted to show you that your partnership and your contributing made something that, uh, at least for me, because I'm not a construction guy, I'm like, how do they do that? And I still look at this and I'm like, how did they do that? There was a tree in there. And so, but here we get to see these kids being able to uh, be able to come to a place that's that's safe and 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 made nice for them to be able to enjoy uh, learning and just education and also certainly uh, uh, kind of a Christ-centered focused as well, just being a part of the the church there, the Fourth Refugio. So I wanted to share that with you because uh, as we're going to see later in our time. Uh, you get to be the light of the world. And it's through different actions and ministries and things that we get to do. Uh, it's so fun to be able to be a part of stuff like that. And so I want to share that with you, that your gifts and your contributions over the last year, uh, along with uh, others who have been contributing and also uh, with, with Crossway down the way, down the street, uh, we've also been kind of working together. So just to be able to see that, it's just been really fun. And I wanted to share that with you. Now, Let's turn our attention. John chapter 8. I'm going to read just a, a passage here just to kind of prepare you. We're going to be looking at a other few passages in the Gospel of John, uh, and you'll see why in just a moment. But look at John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. It says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, and here it is, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. They're trying to get Jesus in a gotcha moment from John chapter 5. But Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify, testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the, to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. 
These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you that we have an opportunity here this morning uh, to be able to look at your word and to be able to be students of it, but Father, so much more than that, that we can be changed by your truth. And Lord, it can be very easy for us today to go through the routines and through the rituals, but I pray as, as the statement of your son that he is the light of the world, that we would be able to, to truly see you this morning. And so if you would, where you're seated, where you're at right now, would you just ask God to help you just to get a glimpse of him today, that you might be able to see him? I know some of you, you've had life just all around you, some hard life. Let's pray that we get a glimpse of the resurrection and the life today. And if you would, would you pray for me that I'll be a help to you as we look at the word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as kind of coinciding with the theme, what we have is we have a candle that I was thinking about this. If nothing else, uh, I hope that a pastor's job, a preacher's job, is that you would walk away and at least retain a thing, one thing this week. And it might be that come Thursday, you're visiting with someone maybe from Mission Point, or you're talking to someone about what it means to be a part of coming and worshiping at Mission Point. And they're like, oh, what did you guys discuss on Sunday? Like, what was the message? And if you're like me, uh, I forget sometimes what I'm talking about on the previous Sunday, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember. But hopefully there's maybe this, this, this visual reminder of this single candle. And for some of you, that's just kind of what you're going to be looking at today. And you're like, why, why was there a candle on stage? And it's because we're being reminded visually, and we talked about this a little bit on our last uh, spring session of MPA Thursday night, of how Jesus is so good about uh, using some physical imagery in order to uh, communicate a profound eternal or divine truth. And, and so just something as simple as just a, a candle being that reminder that Jesus is the light of the world, or something as silly as having a headlamp on my head for the purpose of what you'll, you'll find out later. But this morning, if you're taking notes, we're going to be looking at four truths uh, about Jesus, uh, or four truths about light, and also uh, about Jesus as being the light of the world. And I mentioned to you, we're going to be journeying through a few different passages of the Gospel of John. You know my general MO is we take a passage and we stick with it. But really throughout the Gospel of John, there's several themes in the Gospel of John, but a theme that kind of continues on throughout if you're reading is how often light is actually referenced or mentioned throughout the Gospel of John. And so it even goes all the way back to the very beginning. So uh, we'll, we'll be back in John 8 uh, momentarily, but journey with me over to John chapter 1, just a few pages over to the left in your Bible. In John chapter 1, I just want to read the, the first few verses here. And the, the first verse is really, truly one of my favorite verses of Scripture as far as what it's communicating. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is so profound because if you keep reading, you find out in verse 14 of chapter 1 that the Word became flesh. So we know that the Word being referred to in verse 1 is Jesus, and we understand that He is eternal and that He is God, but He has become God in the flesh, as we sang so, so eloquently this morning. But it goes on. He says, and He was in the beginning with God. 
All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Verse 4, here it is. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here's this theme coming up. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or specifically, the darkness did not overpower it. Now, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. But he, John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Some of you may, I think I've told some of you a little bit of this story, but several years ago, whenever I was a junior in high school, my oldest brother, uh, asked if I would want to go through a a Bible study series with him over the course of a year. And I said, yeah, I'd be interested in that. And so we began to go through a study. I I cannot tell you what we studied, but I can tell you that that year of study, more than anything, the relationship that was uh, cultivated with that was what was profound and deep and rich. Because I could come to him with any kind of question or any kind of... um, curiosity, and he, he wasn't offended, he wasn't, he wasn't scared off, and if he didn't know, he didn't know, and he would go study and come back, but it was just a great opportunity to be able to, to be discipled by someone a little bit further along in their faith journey than myself. And towards the end of our, our time, he wanted to take me to this place in Arkansas. I'm so sorry, I know, they lost yesterday. Um, but my bracket is just all kinds of messed up. And so... <laughs> Uh, I, can re- I can remember him taking me to just on the other side of Arkansas to a place called Devil's Den. And we were going to go caving in Devil's Den. And he had been many, many different times taking different groups. Because at this point, he's, he's out of college. He's working at a, at a Christian camp year-round. Uh, I'm about 16, 17 years old. And I've never been caving before, never owned a headlamp before. So he provides all the gear. He says, you're going to probably want to wear some, like, I had some camo pants. Uh, I had uh, a long sleeve shirt on, a T-shirt, that kind of thing. It was a little bit cool during that time of year. And he said, we're going we're gonna to make our way into the mouth of Devil's Den, and then we're going to literally hike through it, and we're going to squeeze through it, and we're going to crawl through it, and we're going to get dirty, and we're going to get muddy, but we're going to come out the other side. And so as we make our way into this place, I'd never experienced this before, and we, we hiked in, and at first, and I'm going to point it this way, at first, he had us just turn our lamps on, we begin to walk in, you can still see the, the mouth or the opening of the cave, and the light is still pouring in, but as we went further and further into the depths of the earth, um, I'm a little claustrophobic, not a lot of claustrophobic, but a little claustrophobic, and I could just kind of feel this sense of just like, it's starting to like just grab me. And I can remember as we got in there, there came a point where he said, okay, Stephen, now I want you to turn off your headlamp. And I remember turning off my headlamp and it was kind of cool for about maybe 30 seconds. I was like, oh, it's so dark. Like I can't see anything. And you couldn't even see any light from the opening because we were too far deep into the bowels of the earth. And I was just like, man, this is, this is kind of cool. And then after a while, he just stayed silent. And I was like, buddy, you still there? And I was just like, it it was just, it was kind of a a, a scary moment. And he said, this is what I want you to do for the next little bit. He said, for just a little bit, I want you to turn off your, your, have your, keep your headlamp turned off, but I want you, uh, right before you turn it off, you probably saw some of your surroundings as best as you could without even realizing it. But he said, I I want you to, to try to go forward just a little bit. I want you to see how, how far you can go along. And I'm doing that thing that we all do. I'm just kind of like this, just 
like hesitant, just kind of stumbling around. I'm stubbing my toe. I'm hitting my knee on rocks because it's not like it's just like a path. Like think of the greenway. It's nothing like that. I mean, it's up and down and you're going down steep things. You got boulders that you're kind of sliding down on to be able to get to the next part of the path. And it was, as you would imagine, terribly difficult. And in some cases, painful because I don't have any light to be able to see. I needed to be able to just simply see. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want us to see this morning, a truth about light, but also a truth about Jesus, who is light of the world, is number one, light enlightens. Light enlightens. And you go, that's real profound, Sherlock. Thank you for that. It's like, but it's true. We need to look at some of the basics before we continue on. Look at John chapter one. Again, we're still in John chapter one. And we read this a moment ago when we had our scripture reading, but look what it says in verse nine specifically. There was the true light referring to Christ which coming into the world, note this, underline it, enlightens every man. So at this point, my brother tells me to turn my headlamp back on, and I'll, I'll put it this way, turn my headlamp, headlamp back on, and now in just a moment of complete darkness, all of a sudden my surrounding area is lit up and I'm able to see the rock that I was about to run into, the boulder that is about five feet ahead of me, the bats that are about just a few feet above me that I don't want to get too close to that because, well, bats. And so, but I can see, I'm able to know what to be able to do, how to navigate. And so light enables you to see the world that is around you and the reality that is around you. Here's the truth of Jesus. Jesus is able to reveal the truth about your situation. He's able to enlighten you to who you truly are. It reminds me of Isaiah when he's in the temple. He has that divine moment of where he's in the courtroom of God, if you will, the temple of God. And once he sees God, he's like, oh, I am a man of unclean lips. Like he sees himself for who he is in the holiness of God. So Jesus is able to reveal the sin that is around us, but also the sin that is within us. And only Jesus is capable of doing that. We need to be enlightened to our condition. But here's the truth of the matter. It is good. It is good. And we have to be enlightened. It's good that that the light enlightens you, but it's not enough. You don't just need the light to show you your current condition. You need the light to fill you and transform you from the inside out. Otherwise, we're just admiring the light and what it can produce as opposed to receiving the light. Look at John chapter 1, verse 10. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born or who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Again, not enough just to be enlightened. As it says here in verse specifically, verse 12, you must receive him and you must believe him. So he enlightens you to your condition but for the purpose that you would confess your condition, which is basically a fancy way of saying, I agree that my condition is dire, that I am a sinner in need of a savior, and so I must receive you and also believe in you, Jesus. Second thing, not only does light enlighten, light attracts. Light attracts. Now, go back over to John chapter 8, where we began. Kind of our key verse for today. John chapter 8, verse 12 This is where we see Jesus 
make that proclamation that I am the light of the world. He says in verse 12, as he's speaking to this crowd, this group, he says, I am the light of the world, and note this, he who follows me. Maybe, maybe underline that, he who follows me. It's not just simply enough for us to see him or to be enlightened by him, but we're called to follow him. In fact, he even continues, he who follows me will not walk in the darkness. It's not enough that we just want to see our condition, we want to follow him, we want to believe him, receive him, but we want to walk, we, we want to live in Christ and in lockstep with him. Because that's what faith is truly all about. There's something to be said about taking a step of faith, but there's something else about taking another step and another step and another step. Because if you only take a step, that's just a step. But once you take multiple steps, now you're walking. Now you're actually walking and following Jesus in a day-to-day relationship with him. And when he says here that follow, uh, he who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life, the light of life, life, where there is life, there is light. Where there is no light, where there's just darkness, there is no life. Just yesterday, I went out into the community and Tiffany was having a little bit better day and she was like, can we go look at plants? She loves the plants. I'm like, sure, we'll go look at some plants. And we got some plants to bring home and I was like, well, where should we put this one? She said, it's got to be where there's a lot of light because it needs light in order to live. We can see that in just everyday things that if we were to stick that plant in just to a dark room over time, it's going to just die and decay. It needs light in order for there to be life. The same is true for us. We need light and we need the light of Jesus in order to to live. And so at this point, Chris has me uh, uh, have my light turned back off. That's annoying. Um, And he says, I want you to turn your light back off. And he says, at this point, as we're traveling through, and again, we're just in outer darkness at this point, he just says, I I want you now, I'm going to keep my light on, I want you to follow me. I want you to be in step with me. And that's the beautiful thing of where if I'll stay as close as, as reasonably close as you want to stay to your brother, uh, if I can stay with him and be in step with him, then I'm going to be able to see what's illuminating around him as he has the light, he has that lamp upon his head still. And I'm able to see and make the proper steps and be able to not get into danger. But here's another truth uh, about light that attracts. Some light that attracts is not for your good. Some light that attracts is actually for your doom. (laughs) Think about, uh, I can remember growing up, and every now and then, some, some of my family members would say, hey, I know you're busy over the summer, you're, you're, you're working here, you're working there, but if you can come out to the lake and visit with us, we're just going to kind of be set up out there, we're going to have some chairs set up, we'll have a fire going, we'll be doing all this kind of different thing, and I would make my way out there, and every time, I, I always remember showing up, and every little campsite would have this really bright glow, not from a campfire, but from one of those bug zappers, because nobody wants the bugs near them, and that thing's just going, and then you just hear the, and you're like, got another one. That light was attracting those bugs for the purpose of really deceiving them, like, come on in, it's so nice and cozy here, you're going to love this thing, I mean, be attracted to this, and then, bah, kills them. We find out in 2 Corinthians that we have a very real enemy, Satan, who's called an angel of light, and he deceives. He wants to lure you in with the little trinkets of this world and say, ah, it looks good, 
It looks like something that you would enjoy. It looks like something that might give you life. But as you get closer and as you touch, it burns, it stings, it destroys, it kills. And remember this, there's always consequence to sin. Even for us who are believers in Christ, the ultimate consequence of sin, that is death, we're still going to experience, but we know through faith in Christ we have received eternal life. But it doesn't mean that while we travel this world, that we still don't slip up and that we still don't experience the consequence of sin. We don't experience the consequence of something that looked alluring, but then we were deceived by it and we were left wanting or empty or hollow or in pain. Is there something right now, over the, just recently, over the last couple of weeks, that is, seems to be luring you in, if you're just being honest with yourself, and that maybe over the course of this time, and especially as we get to our time of response, that you could just confess to the Lord and say, I see it for what it is, and it is not glorious. It is dangerous. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to stay away. Help me not to be lured into that thing. And so, but the other positive of light attracting is that sometimes it can be a deception, but light also attracts and it provides hope. I, I, I think of the, the, the reality of like a lighthouse. There's that beacon of hope to those ships out at sea to be like, oh, there it is, finally. We've been out in the darkness and there is land, there is hope. And we know that if we don't watch the light and, and, and understand that we're getting close to the shore, we could wreck ourselves. So let's use that light that's luring us in as an attractant in a good way because we're about to reach shore and it's warning us that you're getting pretty close. And so uh, the, the beautiful thing is that when light attracts, as Jesus does, Jesus is attractive, is in John chapter 12, you don't have to turn to this one, but in John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus again references being the light of the world. The same theme throughout the book of John is coming up. Jesus said to them in John chapter 12, verse 35, he says, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light, that you may believe the light, trust in the light. How do you come to a point where you can trust the light? Because I just told you some lights, even, even Satan himself is an angel of light deceiving us. How do I know that this is of God and this is not? This is of God or this is of the world or this is of literally of, of, of even Satan and the kingdom of darkness that's trying to trick me. Well, I think one way that we find even in Luke's gospel is when it comes to living your life for Jesus, receiving him, believing him, trusting him, walking and following him, is that you would count the cost. That for me to go into a relationship with him and follow him, I believe that he is good, and I believe that he is trustworthy to follow, and I believe that he has the ability to save my soul. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting it all in on Jesus. I trust him. I've counted the cost. The other reminder that I have that I can trust Jesus and trust his attractant, him as the light of the world, is that nothing of this world nor any kind of person or entity of the kingdom of darkness ever died for my sins, but Jesus did. I can trust him and I can trust that. He died for my sins to glorify the Father and to save my soul. That's exactly what Jesus did. The, the third thing I want to show you about light, number three, is that light exposes. Light exposes. 
Jesus mentions the idea of being the light of the world another time in John chapter 9. Some of you may be familiar with this story, but listen to what it says, and I'm going to give you three quick sub-points on this one. It says, as, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And I would hope that that statement would actually make us quite sad. Because what that statement, you could easily pass by it and just be like, oh, it's giving us context, there's a blind guy. But it should also remind us, he's blind because we're in a fallen world. <laughs> we're not designed or created to have eyes not to see. That is a reality, a consequence of the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3. It should be heartbreaking for us that sin is rampaging and rampant. It goes on, it says, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Well, Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, here it is, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and he made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. And he said to him, the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went away and he washed and he came back seeing. Real briefly, three things that light exposes. Light exposes the reality of sin. Light exposed the disciples' false theology. It's a theology that sometimes has crept into the life of the church even today, and really what it is, is it's, we, it's some kind of Christianized idea of karma, and it's not biblical. You don't put good into the world to get good out. You don't put bad into the world, and you're going to get bad out. Yes, there's consequences for sin, and there's good for being obedient to God, but we don't, we don't buy into a karma Christianity. We buy into the reality that there's a sovereign God, and that there are consequences to sin, yes, but for them, in verse 2, when they're like, well, he's blind, either he is the cause of this or his parents are the cause of this, and Jesus is just like, no. <laughs> you just, no. You missed it. Consequence of this is just the fall of, 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 of the beginning of sin, just entering into the world, but it's also, so this could be an opportunity and a moment designed by a sovereign God in order for God to be glorified. So, Light exposes the reality of sin, exposes their false theology, but as I also just mentioned, it exposes God's glory. Light exposes God's glory, the power of God to heal. The beauty of light in any kind of situation is light scatters and it pushes back the darkness. That's what it's designed to do, to, to show, to expose. Maybe even this morning as God is beginning to kind of Get your attention because we're sitting still long enough for just a moment to get your attention. He's beginning to expose maybe some things in your life that you don't even know that are there. And he's saying, confess them to me for your good and my glory. Recognize them. I'm exposing and revealing them to you for your good and for my glory. Finally, fourthly, light is meant to shine. Light is meant to shine. You, you, you don't have to to turn there. Uh, I believe it'll be on the screen. If not, I'll read it to you. But some of you will recall that when we went through our study of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we, we looked at this passage, and we're, we're, we'll look at it again. But this is the moment where Jesus has just finished sharing the Beatitudes, and now he's about to say that you are salt and you are light. And listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This, 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 this is so fun to me. So as we journey through this I Am series, hang, hang with me. As we journey through this I Am series, we're going to see, as we saw last week, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We're going to see in the weeks to come, I am the door or the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. He is those things. And we have no part of being able to be the, the vine or the resurrection or to be able to be uh, the, the door or the good shepherd. Th- those are him. But in this moment, Jesus is declaring in John chapter 8 and John chapter 9 and John chapter 12, I am the light of the world. And yet one of those seven I am statements, he turns in Matthew and he says, you are the light of the world. Like we get to be a part of who he is and one of his divine roles of being light, we get to be a part of that. When we have received and believed and trusted in him and he exposes the reality of our sin and he lures us to himself because we know that he is good and trustworthy to give our life to because he died for our sins, for our good and for God's glory. And we come to know him as Lord and Savior and we walk in step with him. The Holy Spirit comes to take up residence within us and we get to be light. Maybe not capital L, <laughs> but we are, we are light. We, we are able to be a part of exposing and attracting and enlightening those that are around us. We get to be a part of the, uh, of, of the glorious mandate of going out into the kingdom of darkness and saying, I will be the light of the world and I want to expose and scatter the darkness that is there because I bring someone with me who is far more powerful than the darkness that is around us in this world. That's what you have in him. So as, uh, as we were in that cave, Chris told me at this point, he said, okay, turn your light back on. And he said, at this point, I want you to imagine for just a second, because he said, we're the only ones down here. And at this point, I mean, we're just super muddy. We've literally crawled through spaces where I'm like, I can't even get, how, how do I get my body through this l- tiny little thing and kind of like wiggle my way in? And he's like, just trust me, follow me. We're going to get out to the other side. And he said, now, I want you to imagine for just a second that there's another group down here of individuals and their headlamp is broke or whatever it may be. We can hear them and we shine our light over there and we see them. He said, you have the opportunity to be able to go over there to them and he said, what you could do is, you could do one of two things. You could take your light and be like, hey guys, I see you're in some trouble. Here's some water. You know, here's a shirt. Here, here, here's, you know, a Bible verse, whatever it may be. Like, here you go, guys. I'm, I'm going I'm to help you and say, all right, good luck, see ya. And then I go back to Chris and I'm like, all right, can we get out of here now? Kind of mean, because they're still just in darkness. But if I come along to them and I say, hey, I don't know how to get out of here, (laughs) but I know the one who does. And I can take you to him. I can point you to him. And as I'm following him, if you will follow him, he will get you out of this cave. Now, obviously, there's no other group down there, but it was just that 
exposure in that moment of the truth that for each one of us, I hope that we have a heart for the darkness that is around us, for the sin that is around us, that it breaks us. Like we grieve over the reality of the condition that people are in, that we just don't go, well, hopefully somebody gets to them. You're that somebody. You're that, you're that individual that you can't get them out of their sin, you can't get them into eternal life, but you can point them to the one that if they will follow him, trust in him, receive him, believe him, you get to be a part of that process of saying, let me point you in that direction, let me introduce you to the one who can, because you are the light of the world as well. That's why we've done this whole thing over the last little bit uh, since January of of, of Live, Work, Play, or, or the ping pong balls, or whatever it may be. And it's just been this idea and this desire not to check off some kind of list of look at what we've done and look at what we've accomplished, but it's this idea of saying these represent people and people who are in need of the truth. The truth not only of Jesus, but the truth of their sin, which we don't like to bring up very often. But until they are exposed to the reality of their sin, why would they need to call upon someone who could take care of their sin? And so one of my favorite things that we did was just a couple of weeks ago, we had a chance to do some gospel training, and we had, we had a group here that was with us, and the, the whole design and point of doing that was having gospel conversation training to hopefully give you maybe a couple things that you kind of put in your tool belt that you could take with you as you go out into your everyday life, those people that you've identified and been praying for to, to encourage and share your faith with. But But the thing that I, I was looking forward to the most was I just wanted to hear from the group that was there of like how the last couple of months been going for you because sometimes this trying to be the light of the world, not hide our lamp under a bushel kind of thing and, and be an attractant, sometimes it's really hard <laughs> and can be quite discouraging. But when you have a chance to be able to visit with one another and go, oh, man, that, that story encourages me because, man, you're going for it. I want to go for it. Or it might be, man, you fell flat on your face. That story encourages me because I fell flat on my face and I can relate to that and I don't feel like I'm the one who's just not doing what it is that I would like to do. But one of the interesting outcomes that came out of that discussion is a good number of the individuals shared, you know, I have those three individuals that you challenged us to really pray about, identify over the course of January to kind of bring to my heart and uh, for God to bring to my heart. And so I identified those, and I've been praying for them fervently over the month of February. But as we get into March, I'm trying to really engage with them. But it's been difficult, actually. Like those individuals have actually become, seems like more difficult to get that time that I would like to have with them. And so that's why we're encouraging you over the course of, of March and April to schedule something with them, like go do something with them, get some ice cream, get, get, a, get a meal, make it happen. But for, for others, they said, but in the meantime, it seems like these other people are just popping up and I'm getting to have conversations with them at a gas station or in a parking lot or a cash register that I just, they're not on my list. They're just some random people, but they're, they're popping up. And the comment was made that perhaps one of the reasons why I'm seeing those opportunities is because we've been exposed to what the divine mandate is, that we would go and make disciples. 
and it's in front of us as a church as an enough, whether it's in our welcome or the end of announcements or even in the course of a message of, we weren't called to, to, to hide this. That was warm. We weren't called to cover this up. We certainly weren't called to, to put it in a corner somewhere. It's designed to be an attractant. You were designed to be an attractant for people, to point them to Christ. And so what's been beautiful over the last couple of months is people have been seeing, there have been multiple opportunities in front of me. Maybe I just didn't see them before. Maybe they were always there. But in the end, they are there. Every single one of you, you have that opportunity. You have the ability to be able to be that, that salt and that light to the community that is around you. And they so desperately need you and your story and your words and your ways. As we finish this morning, there's, there's a few things that I'm, I'm going to ask you to see if you are doing. The first one is just simply this. Is, the only way I could think of putting it is, are you shining? <laughs> are you attracting and pointing others to Jesus? Are you living out Matthew 5, 14, and 15, and 16, that you are the light of the world? Are you, are you, are you drawing people in, not to yourself, but, but to Christ? So are you attracting and pointing others to Jesus? The second thing is, are you following him? To me, perhaps in my personal study of this passage over the last week or so, the thing that has stood out to me the most is, am I following him? Am I, in, am, I, am I stepping with him? Am I in lockstep with Jesus? Are you following him? Or if we're not careful, what we could do is say, yeah, I'm following him, but I really follow him kind of on Sunday. I'm good at it on Sunday. I can play the part. But the question is, are you following him day to day? Or is it Sunday to Sunday? Or is it project to project? Where I've been guilty of this is from crisis to crisis. And that's when I cry out to him. That's when I'm like, oh, I'll follow you. Can, can you change this? And that, again, that kar- karma idea, Christianized idea, kind of crops up into our mind, into our idea, into our life. I don't want for us, for any of us, to, to be this kind of follower of Christ, because that does you no good and does the, the world around you no good, that day to day we're walking in lockstep with Jesus. Third thing is, is just simply as if you've been enlightened to your situation and circumstance, more importantly, have you ever received Jesus and believed in him? Have you? Not based upon just what you have heard and grown up with, but is that your story? And this is what I would say, is if on a day-to-day basis, you're not following him, perhaps what we do is we take a moment to examine our faith and go, have I received him? Do I believe in him? Because if you've received and believed, why aren't you following him? And so with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you get to have a chance to respond. You get to have an opportunity to be able to answer those questions. Are you hiding your light or are you letting it shine? Are you following him? Because when you follow him, you walk with him. And that means you're going to live your life to the fullest. But ultimately, do you know him? Do you believe in him? So in just a moment, we're we're, going to sing. Familiar hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I love the imagery of sight, seeing, so much to do with light. Maybe for some of you, even singing this song is kind of your declaration of confession or prayer. 
But for others of you, maybe what you need to do is you just need to take a moment, as I mentioned earlier in the sermon, you just need to take a moment and just cry out to God and agree with him, which is confession. Agree with him of some of the things that maybe he's exposed in your life today that are hindering you from walking as freely as you need to. I don't know, maybe you're gripped with fear or anxiety. Maybe you're, you're gripped with people pleasing. Maybe, what, maybe you're gripped with some kind of thing that you're looking to supplement your life through a pill or through a drink. Is there something in your life that you just need to say, God, before I, I, I sing this song and pray this prayer that I want to turn my eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. Yeah, I, I want to do that. But before I do, I mean, I want to confess my known sin and my unknown sin. Because I want to walk with you. I want to follow you because you're good and trustworthy. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as we sing, as we respond, that we have a chance to talk and respond to Almighty King Jesus and that we would take full advantage of this time and not squander it by thinking about what's next, but that you're worth giving our attention to because you've spoken to us through your word. Help us to respond now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand, sing, pray? If you'd like to visit with somebody, pray with them. I'd be so happy to do that with you. You guys respond above all else.